time for another session. Um, praying that you'll all be able to, I know you've already kind of taken in a lot, so hopefully you'll be able to kind of take in this next piece that I'm talking about. If I don't speak loud enough, please let, let me know um, and let me speak louder. <laughs> so yeah, I thought it's very interesting just to start um, this with the picture that Dave got yesterday when he just went down into his heart, the two trees. And so last night I just went looking for a picture. I hope this maybe doesn't look exactly like this. I don't know. You can... But, um, you know, these two trees, this hammock in between, and I think Grace and Mercy, you said, were mm-hmm. the name of each tree. And, um, and I know for myself that when you get pictures, it's really important to kind of remember them. It might be a very simple picture, but this is a picture that, from my own experience, that Jesus will keep inviting Dave back to. Absolutely. So this is a place where... It's like he shows us different places in our hearts. Sometimes it's something like this. For me, you'll hear now a story, which I've told one or two, a few of you before, that for me, he often gets me to meet him like picturally in my heart and down at the sea. You know, that's where I spent a lot of my time. I've met him in other places in my heart, not just, you know, down at the sea. But, you know, he'll often want to say more. He's always interested in kind of saying more about the very simple things and scripture talks about you know the deep treasures that are hidden in the heart and this is this is for dave this is one of your deep treasures that you're going away with probably you won't remember anything else about the retreat (laughs) hopefully you will a few things but you'll go away with this and jesus is going to meet dave and talk to him more about there's something that dave that jesus is revealing to you about this nurturing this comfort this rest that is very, it's, it's going to be an, a very important part for you in the next part of your journey. And so, this talk is called Receiving <laughs> the Mothering Comfort of God. So, very, very important part. Vince, Vince's talk, my goodness, I was supposed to share after Vince talked. Oh, my goodness, his talk completely undone me. <laughs> When he showed that video of the father coming alongside, it just, you know, opened my heart to what God has done for me and how my father has pretty much rescued me um, from, you know, from that type of thing, that, you know, something that, the, that our father God offers us. And I love what Vince was talking about because what, what we're being told is that our father God offers us strength and he offers us protection. And he offers us security. And my goodness, do I need that as a person. I need that. I love that I have a God that offers me that. You know, I love that God is saying, even if no one has done that for in, in your life alone. And unfortunately, I didn't have a father who um, did that for me. I didn't have a father who rushed in. I had a father, unfortunately, because of his own broken, brokenness, was very, very absent in my life. Um, but to know that this, you know, that he raises us up, as we were talking, he raises us up into that new attachment, into receiving something that really we should have received in our families. Um, and a lot of us here didn't, and I didn't receive that. But uh, Vince talked also about a shield. He talked about the father being like this shield, you know, that it, it's like the shield of love. Um, and when we have the shield uh, of love, when we learn, when God teaches us to receive, to know, and to expect that kind of protection, to expect that he will come in and rescue us. Mm. 
that he will come in and save us. I mean, I had a heart where I didn't even know I could ask for that. Mm. I thought I had to provide that for myself. I won't go into how that how I did that, but I used to try and provide that security for myself. I used to try and provide that protection for myself, not realizing that to do that for a very, very long time, eventually, like I said yesterday, as you, you know, you, you, you run dry and you come to a place where none of us really like to find ourselves, where we look into this abyss. It is, it, this is serious stuff. We were designed in our DNA to receive this. Um, but one of the things, when Vince and I were talking about our, our talks kind of coming together, I was saying one of the things that God has been teaching me as well is about this, his comforting mother heart. We are made in his image. He has made us male and female. Yeah. And it makes sense that, you know, that, you know as females, yes, uh, you know, as women, we do offer different things that, that men offer. Yeah. Now, I know there's a lot of discussion around that <laughs> these days, but... There's a, you know, there is this offering of, you know, this part of God that is more like a mother. That is this kind of nurturing, comforting, um, you know, attributes of his heart that, that he wants to share with us. And what I found is that behind that shield of protection and security that Vince was talking about, behind that shield, it's then to have the expectation not only does he want to protect us, but he also wants to comfort us. I didn't have an expectation of that. For me, I would have been just, you know what, once I'm safe, once I'm secure, once, you know, nothing's going to harm me, once I'm not going to get myself in too much trouble, I never realized he was like, yes, I'm going to give you this, and guess what, behind that shield, I also want to comfort you. Like a mother comforts, you know, her child. And so he started speaking to me, and I know some of you have heard this, so I won't go into this uh, dream. This is not a dishwasher experience. <laughs> this is um, actually a waking up experience. God often speaks to me actually while I'm at rest. It's not interesting, I said that before. So as I was waking up, I got this particular like semi-awake dream. Um, I'd already got the picture of being on the beach kind of with God and chatting to, to him there. You heard that I lived in Cyprus for f- five years. So I had these really fantastic years of just pretty much not going to school and just living on the beach and playing. This is where God chooses to meet me. Anyway, in, a, in my kind of waking dream, um, I'm standing on the beach and from a distance I can see a figure walking towards me in the dream. And as it gets closer, I see that it's Jesus. And I kind of like, I look and I go, and in my heart, I'm like, great, he's here. I was so excited to see him. And he comes over and we're just standing at the water's edge here. And uh, I'm just chatting away. I'm saying, oh, it's great to, to see you. You know, my usual, I just love when you're around. I love that you come and visit me, you know, the usual Elaine style kind of welcome, welcoming. And he was just really quiet. He didn't, he didn't say anything to me. But as I looked at him again, I could see he was just staring at me, listening, and I could see just by his eyes that he was going to be asking me to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, once there's this, like, there's no words. There was really no words, you know, from him. It was just through his eyes. And so in his eyes, what I saw, I saw a couple of things. I saw this, like, lovely, like, playfulness in his eye, like, just that glint, you know, and isn't that what, you know, really true attachment love, it's 
to be that glint in someone's eye. You know, to be on the receiving end of saying, oh, I just love who you are. Love who you are. Love who you are. You know, oh, it's you, you know. To be on the receiving end of that. And that's the look in Jesus' eye as, I was, as he was looking at me. And then just through that, in that moment, I knew what Jesus wanted me to do. He said, Elaine, are you willing to fall back into the sea? And, and of course, in that moment, when I had these conversations with Jesus, I'm always like, ah, now, come on. <laughs> Why? Why are you getting me to do this? Anyway, he looked at me and went and said my name, Elaine. And it was just like, it was like this kind fatherly love just saying Elaine and in that it was like trust me trust me and so I remember thinking in that moment yes when I fall back I wonder what's going to happen um, and actually I th- what I thought would happen was okay I've just got to be ready that if I go under I know what it's like to go under you know as a kid you swallow all the sea water and you just feel like you're going to vomit and so I say okay I'm thinking, because he's Jesus, that might not happen. This is what I was thinking in my dream, <laughs> thinking it all, thinking it all that. So anyway, I decided to kind of like fall back, so I open my arms like this, and looking in his eye, and I was kind of like in some ways being cheeky with him, going, okay, let's do this then. And so this is the moment of trust, and it's a moment of choice that we all have, you know, basically on a daily experience. Um, and so in that moment I fell back and as I was falling back in the dream it just was like in slow motion this is like falling back in slow motion and to my surprise when I kind of hit the sea water instead of going under it was like the sea water caught me and held me and as it held me to my shock in the dream it just started kind of like rocking me And then I'm kind of someone who goes, oh, that's very nice. Thank you, Jesus. That was lovely. You must be wanting to kind of show me a little bit of comfort. He's like, "Mm mm-mm. Okay. (laughs) Getting uncomfortable now, Lord. (laughs) And it just kept, the sea just kept going. And the more the sea rocked me, the more I was like, oh, my goodness. This is like being like, this is comfort that I have never experienced in my soul before. I've never experienced this, especially as an adult. Maybe I received that as a child. But what? He wants me to experience this as an adult? And that's the invitation into the mothering heart of God, is that he wants to comfort all our souls. When I woke up, I was like, oh, I don't want the dream to end. <laughs> and so I actually did the childish thing. That, I don't know if you've ever done this, if you have a, a great dream and you're a kid. Yeah. You go back and go, okay, let's try that again. <laughs> And in his kindness, he gave me maybe two more minutes of just that, like, rocking. And I remember waking up, waking up and going, I need to tell people about this. I need to tell people. And here I am today, telling people about it. So, of course, he's talking about comfort. And that was, you know, a little while ago, he was talking to me about this. And at the time, I had been reading um, this particular scripture, uh, just reflecting on it, 2 Corinthians 1.4. And this is Paul saying, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. So there he is. This Paul is saying there's something that he does in our souls. And I'm thinking, Paul wrote this. This must have been really important. Because it's funny, we would never think that everything that Jesus Christ has done for us would involve comfort. 
is, is he interested in giving that to our souls? And Paul is saying, yeah, this is, this is really important for all of them. This was really important for him. It was also important, seemed to be important that when they received that, they were able to give it to others. Now, you would think, as a counsellor, that I was able to receive this for myself, but the reality was I was giving this to everybody else. So the only person who wasn't getting that was me. So this is what we do. We often seek our healing by giving other people what we actually need ourselves. This is why we rescue people. (laughs) We rescue people because we need rescuing. If you find yourself a bit of a rescuer, which often counsellors are, by the way. (laughs) So here I am comforting all these people. People always say to me, Elaine, you're so kind, you're so comforting. And God going, yes, but there's one person who's not in the river. Mm. There's one person who's not in the sea of my comfort, Elaine, and it's you. And that's how much he loves me. So, Paul goes on to say, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. And as you can see, I love, I love pictures because the reality, you know, the reality around God's comfort is, is that we get upset. <laughs> Has anyone been upset even over the last week about anything? Yeah? yeah? Anyone been upset? I have. Definitely. <laughs> Myself and Fintan had a couple of moments even before we came on this retreat where I'm like, yeah, kind of like we get upset. And the reality is from now until we, you know, enter the kingdom, we will continue getting upset. I know that sounds awful, but the reality is that this comfort, this mothering comfort that God wants to give us is, you know, he's giving it to us so that even when we get upset, which I can promise you we will, (laughs) either later on tonight, tomorrow, the reality of this attachment love is that what he's saying is, yes, you will get upset, but you will recover. You get upset and my love comforts you, it restores you like a little child. Like children are great at this. They're so like over the top, aren't they? You know, it's like, I hate you. I'm so angry. You know, no one loves me. You hate me. You know, they shout. They're so extreme in their emotions. And yet, when the mom comes alongside them, you know, she kind of, she moves. And I know I talked about this a little bit last time. She moves towards the child's upset. God moves towards our upset. Every day. This is something we can expect. Every day, he wants to move towards our upset and to comfort us and say it's okay it's okay guess what you're gonna be okay and we need to hear that because you know and not only do we need to hear it but it needs to be almost like a constant flow constant flow in our life can I just say something about that yes See, for me, I think I wanted to share this with you, but see that mother's comfort, the picture of the boy? Yeah. <coughs> I never had that. And I, I never knew because my mum died when I was two. But, but God's already been dealing with, with me with that. But the most important thing for me in there is the comfort I know God's given me. It's more important that I can give it to others. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this type of comforting love can be <coughs> also seen in Philippians 4, 11 to 13. 
And Paul, I love what Paul sa says here. He says, actually, I don't have a sense of, of needing anything personally. I've learned uh, by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I have found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or empty, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. So this comforting look, which we could easily just brush aside, you know, come on, let's tough it out. We can be independent. We can be strong. You know, we can even just stick with the strength of God. But the reality of this nurturing, comforting love is, you can see Paul, Paul was saying that this, this, it like it creates this buffer around us. And ever since I've started receiving this comfort, one of the things that I've started noticing is that, you know, whether, you know, people, it's often for me, it's around relationships, whether people are treating me well, or they're, t or they're, not, treat or they're not treating me so well, whether people are thinking of me, <coughs> or remembering me, or the people forget, or people include me, or forget to include me, with this comfort that I'm now receiving from God, I'm starting to find that it doesn't hurt as much anymore. That as time is going on, I'm getting less and less concerned about receiving this from other people. And this is what, you know, this is what they talk about self-forgetfulness. This is what they're talking about death to self. You see, my death to self many years ago was like, you know, I don't need comfort. Actually, I don't need anything. I want to just completely die and lay my life down for God. I want to become nothing. You cannot become nothing, and you cannot really lay down your life for other people, continually f serving, like we see David here, incredible, incredible man, privileged to have even met you. Got this short space of time. You have such an amazing heart. Yes. You know, and you can see, it's almost like he cares nothing for himself, yeah? But I know that hasn't come about by accident. I know there's a big story that has gone behind that. There's something that David has received, like Paul. And you take a look at Paul. Paul is telling us clearly, the life we so desperately crave is not to be found externally in everything going right for us. Even as Christians, we kind of wait. There's something, isn't it? We just keep thinking we want everything to go right. Guess what? It's not. <laughs> It's just not. And we're told that. We're saying, look, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky in the valley. There's going to be things that go wrong. You're going to have dis disappointments. You're going to have heartaches. You're going to get diagnosed with, like, diagnosed with sickness. We're not promised these things yet. We're going to get them in the kingdom. There will be no crying, no weeping, no suffering anymore. But for now, this is why we need the comfort. And if you take a little look at Paul, I love the list in Scripture where he talks about, you know, I, I, I took the King James Version, I don't know why. Thrice, I always think it's very like a posh wave. Thrice, I was beaten with rods. <laughs> Once was I stoned. Thrice suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've spent adrift at sea. I mean, these, these were just some of his circumstances. And yet, he talked about this love. And this love, whatever it was, it seemed to fulfill and fill his needs. So we stopped looking to, ex to the externals to get them met. So Dallas Willard, 
Um, Dallas Willard was one of the great theologians, and after six decades of walking with God, he said this just before he passed away. It's quite shocking. Six decades he walked. He, he's written some amazing books. I don't know whether any of you have read them. They're incredible. And at the end of his life, this is what he said. What I have learned in this last year is more important than what I have learned in the rest of my life. Salvation is all about forming a new attachment to God. Isn't that shocking? That this is, this is the good news. This is the good news of the gospel. So, I mean, if you take a look at the reaction of the video that Vince showed us about the Father, look at all our hearts reacting to that. I don't think there was anyone not crying. You know? Because our hearts long for that. We long. We know. We know in our souls that we are meant to receive this, and we don't get it. Guess what? We are in a lot of pain when we don't get this. The original design was for this attachment. The original design before the fall of man was that we would receive this from our mothers and our fathers. This is why the fall is actually, it's a devastation. It's a car wreck. It is a shipwreck. And it's a shipwreck for our souls. And we know it because we weep. We weep when we see that our father just like, even when we fall, even when we get it wrong, he will come in, rescue us, protect us, stand up for us, defend us. He knows our stories. He knows that if we're making mistakes now, it's because we've had stuff happen to us when we were younger. So, the assurance of love and provision. Wow, that's what we're to expect. God designed our souls to run on this like fuel, like I said um, yesterday. So what does this attachment love look like? To be seen, to be heard. To know our needs matter. That was quite shocking for me. To see God wanting to meet my need for security. To see God wanting to meet my need for protection. To see God wanting to meet my need for comfort. I wouldn't have asked him for comfort. You know? I was kind of like, I was a strong, independent person. Now I am a strong, independent person, but it's in his strength. So to be seen, heard, to be understood, to be validated to be loved and wanted, to feel connected, safe and secure, to be delighted in, to be the glint in his eye. So Stacey Eldridge also speaks about the identity of God. She talks about it in Genesis 17. She refers to Genesis 17.1. And she talks, you know, it was was her, this is where I heard the first talk about the mothering heart of God um, at a conference in 2019. um, It was called The Homecoming. She said, when God first appeared to Abraham and introduced himself, he told Abraham his name. And the name, you probably all know this, of course, is El Shaddai. I'm trying to say that with a bit of an accent, actually. (laughs) El Shaddai. She said the first name that God identifies himself with is really important. So we look at the meaning. L is might and strength. Security, protection. That's what Vince was talking about. Shaddai is enough. He's going to give us enough. Enough for our hearts. We're going to receive what we need. Sufficient. Nourisher, loyalty, sweet love. This is actually supposed to be the first attachment a child gets, and where the child first receives this is in its mother's womb. 
constant nourishment, constant support, constant feeding, and it's supposed to continue. We're all supposed to receive that even after we are born. You know, mother comes first. Mercy comes first. Comfort actually came first. Even before father really comes in on the scene, it's the mother. It's that mothering comfort that comes first. God cares for us in a way a mother cares for her child. God loves, loves like a father, but he also created motherhood and mother's love. It was his idea. This was all his idea. <laughs> sometimes I don't know. I, I think I'm a bit stubborn sometimes. I've known this for many, many years. But now I'm saying, oh my goodness. Like, he will have his way. He's saying, this is the way I am, and don't try and make me any different today. <laughs> and I have been. So this is a need in every human soul, no matter what age. I don't know. We often look at this and we think, yeah, we just give this to children. But I need it. You need it. We never grow out of this need. Psalm 16.3, I say to the holy people who are in the land, they are my noble ones in whom is all my delight. We were created to be delighted in, to be the apple of someone's eye, accepted, worthy of love, of belonging, simply because we exist. That is like, it is so foreign, really, to a lot of us, that that is true. Mm. And read the three areas that, three main areas are nourishment, consistency, and delight. They're just three words that are very helpful, just to condense. This is, this is what he wants to give our souls. Mothering. You have to be very careful when you, when you um, approach this area, you know, for our hearts. You okay? Oh, do you want to go back? Yeah, sure. No problem. What kind of mothering did you receive? If you take a little look at that list, unable to meet needs or demands, maybe your mother, you know, was in a position where she just was, had to work all the time. Was she cold, maybe distracted? Preoccupied with her own needs? Was she bitter or angry? Maybe you were orphaned, as we know. Yeah, some of us here lose our mothers at a very young age. But the reality is, you know, and as a counselor, that I would be confident enough to say this, that you don't necessarily need to go back into all the detail of all the wounds that you have received, either with your mother or your father. It's, I think there's different things we might need to go back to, to do, to process. But a lot of the work is done just as it shows up in, the, in your daily circumstances. That a lot of this reattachment, this healing of this attachment from God that if we open our hearts up to his comforting love on a daily basis, to even, fact to, to, even to, to know we can expect it and that he wants mm. to give it to us, this is what heals these wounds of our, of our, of our father and mother. And the great news is, is that this is what salvation is. Salvation is it's like attaching our souls to, to God again, to the fathering, the mothering heart of God. This is the great rescue that Vince was talking about. It's hard to believe that protection, security, strength, and comfort 
is our rescue. It's the rescue for our souls. A lot of us don't live like that, though. A lot of us think the rescue for our souls is about being the perfect Christian. You know, burning ourselves out, working for God all the time, especially if it's work that he's not asking us to do. <laughs> and we're just, I mean, I mean, in our own striving, in our own efforts, you know. So this is the great, this, this is the great rescue, the great, the, the new attachment to him. So even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. So this is his promise. We don't have to, yes, it is hard to kind of move from the old, old attachment to the new. It is hard. But he said, look, look, I know, I know about this. And this is what I promise. I'm not going to forget you. Yes, human love is, <laughs> it, is not, it is not like God's love. It, it is a glimmer of it, but it is not like his love and that he will not forget us. And he is going to offer, he's offering to mother us and to father us. And in doing that, what happens is he heals us. And in the healing then, you know, we, we, we were mentioning when we were just meeting, you know, before now, we're talking about, you know, the glory of God is man fully alive. You know, we become fully alive as we, 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 we receive this comfort from him. Fully alive. We actually become more, we step into our true identities. It's like all the false self falls away. That's what comfort has a great, the great ability to do. As you receive his confidence, like all these false, you know, things that we've set up to protect ourselves, to feed ourselves, they all fall away. And we kind of become a version of ourselves that, you know, when I'm with people and I can see people really sitting in their identity in a beautiful, calm, strong way, my goodness, you know, it's a bit like I was talking about today, you know this person, this person's allowed God to get in at their, at their beautiful souls and to do some work there. But it often does call, at some point, you know, that work, of course, can be a little bit painful, a bit challenging, but it is all worth it. <coughs> so what blocks us from receiving the salvation rescue? Um, the fear of vulnerability. We all want to be strong, you see. And I know I do. I was a very independent, strong person. And um, I love this um, particular quote from Henry Nouwen. It says, Our inclination is to show our Lord only what we feel comfortable with. But the more we dare to reveal our whole trembling self to him, the more you'll be able to sense that his love, which is perfect love, casts out all fears. Yeah. You know? The fear of vulnerability. So if you are, you know, if you're operating in a lot of self-strength, these are the kind of questions you can ask yourself. What am I afraid of? Why am I afraid to be vulnerable? <coughs> And the great thing about vulnerability is, yes, okay, our vulnerabilities sometimes come out in front of other people, but where God really wants us to bring our vulnerabilities is into a private place with him in prayer, where it's safe, it's confidential. Okay, we have counselors to bridge that gap, <laughs> but really, this is where our vulnerabilities should be held, somewhere where we feel safe, somewhere, somewhere that's private, somewhere we can say, oh my God, this is how I really am feeling today. And he's, yeah, come to me. I'm the one who's like, he's, he's happy just to know us as we are. The fear of being imperfect is something that blocks us from receiving us. Sometimes we can become consumed with the idea that we need to get it all right before God will ever be interested in us. 
Perhaps it's a belief that we need to achieve greatness before we'd be entitled to the love. I mean, I didn't call myself perfectionist, but the reality is I was living from that place. You know? Simple things like, even in ministry, if I'd make a mistake, you know, like, example, calling the talk the wrong name at the beginning. <laughs> used to kill me. Oh, my God. You know? It's not important to me now. I'm free from that. So we have, we all have that tendency for perfectionism. And then another thing that blocks us is our childhood experiences, of course. These are very obvious ones. And I know you've, you guys have looked at some of these things before. If we feel as children we have to meet certain conditions to receive love, we may develop a core belief that we are not worthy of it just, be, just as we are. Therefore, when God offers us this type of love, it can trigger this core belief of unworthiness. <coughs> and undeservedness, making us feel uncomfortable receiving affection. So if you're on this journey, remember, like me, you're going to feel uncomfortable at times receiving the love that God actually wants to give you. You know, here's me telling God, oh, that's enough comfort now, God. <laughs> and he's laughing, going, going Elaine, <laughs> relax. Because it makes me, it's, you have to be vulnerable to be able to receive love. But in the receiving of it, it makes us stronger. And yet what God says is that the one who catches attention is the one who is poor and contrite of spirit. Mm-hmm. Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's those who know they are bankrupt in spirit, <laughs> broke without proof of good, aware of the depth of their own sin. It's these who admit their poverty that God's eye is especially that His eye especially sees. Isn't that incredible? That's shocking. That that's like that's where as if He just loves that. He loves where He sees that vulnerability. Because wherever there is vulnerability and that openness, oh my goodness, the power, the presence of God, the activity of God is usually is is usually very very active. It's the opposite of what we think. And actually, sometimes it's the opposite, unfortunately, of some of the, <laughs> the Christian establishments that we're <laughs> involved in. You know, it's like button up, shape up, you know. And uh, yeah, we're under that pressure. And yeah, God is like, no, that's not my way. The root issue, the greatest trap in our life is not success. This is Henry New again. Popularity or power but of self-rejection. That is quite shocking, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we, I don't know, we're just really comfortable with the self-rejection thing. It's almost like a comfort blanket. Mm-hmm. It's actually, it takes a lot of courage to stop rejecting yourself. I don't know whether, I don't know what it's like here in Scotland, but in Ireland, we're very much into that. We love the self-rejection. <laughs> we love it. And we also like doing it for others. God forbid, you know, the glory of God, like you're walking in that. Now, ooh, down you go. You know? You think you're great, do you? <laughs> I don't know what it's like here in Scotland, but in Ireland, it's like that. Getting too big for your boots. Look at you up there, Elaine, talking about the mothering heart of God. Who do you think you are? So if you ever feel that, you might need to look at that area. What is it that you've fallen trapped to? Because self-rejection is immediately telling you 
that you're blocking something from receiving something. So receiving union from God, receiving his love. I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. That is shocking. I've, I've always been shocked by that verse. What? So literally, I cannot get into the kingdom. I feel, feel like going downtown. Have you seen this piece of scripture? Like, unless we come, like, we're actually not going to get into the kingdom. But everyone, everyone seems okay with this. People seem to jump over that and seem to think, yeah, I think we're going to get into the kingdom. But I, I'm going, what's the kid thing? Why do we have to become like children? And of course, like children is because children are what? Trusting. Trusting. What else are they? Free. Free to what? Just be themselves. Be themselves. Be themselves. Mm-hmm. When you say be, be themselves, what do you mean Just by that? Be yeah. Just honest. Yeah. 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 And when they get upset, they're free to express that. Yeah. Well, if the, some kids, some kids, of course, learn quite quickly not to express that. So when they're angry, when they're sad, you know. What about even when they're joyful, you know? Yeah. And so God is saying that this is our disposition of heart. Children are vulnerable as well. Children are very needy. You know, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm blah, you know? <laughs> you know? And God loves that about us. He was basically saying, you're not actually going to receive what I want to give you as an adult unless you start actually observing children and Hopefully children, and they're healthy, <laughs> healthy children, because unfortunately, as we know, some children are already very damaged by the time they get to about two or three. <coughs> they already know, don't say anything. Don't ask for your needs to be met. Yeah. You know? So I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So unless we're open again to this new attachment, we're basically just busy. And we're told that. You know, you know, you can do this, you can have great ministries, you can heal the sick, you can set captives free, you can give all your money away, you can do loads of things, but if you do not have love, you have nothing. So if you bring it back to being like a child again, it's like unless we actually understand that this is a cho- these are choices that we make every single day of our life to be more like a child in his presence, then... You know, the worst thing would be, I always go, the worst thing, I just don't want to end up before God one day and him to kind of like, I go, you know, but I did all these things for you, you know, but did you have my love in your soul, Elaine? I'll go, well, I heard a good talk one time. Actually, I gave that talk and uh, I I wasn't actually practicing it myself. (laughs) You know, God, be careful. Drinking of God as the fountain of life. There's all these things we weren't meant to exist as, you know, we've all been, you know, saying through the different talks by ourselves. So we're receiving his love. It's a tricky thing to receive. So one of the things that I've heard a lot, especially just in Christian teaching, is the will. The will, the will, the will, the will, the will. (laughs) Just use your will. (laughs) And it sounds good. You know, doesn't it? Um, but I kind of, I've misunderstood. I've misunderstood that myself. I used to use my will in the wrong way for many years. I thought I could will myself to be loving. I thought I could will myself to obey. 
That only goes well for a certain amount of time. And then you stop obeying because the pressure gets too much. Fly off the handle and do something that you know you're not supposed to do. <laughs> you know, that's just like those things that bob up. You know, you press them down. This is, this is what the will does. We, it presses us down, but without fail, especially if you've tried to be a Christian long enough, you're going to find out you're good, you're good, you're good. Oh, God. That's, what happened there? You know, it's when we're using our own striving. It's finishing like well, muscular Christianity. We can do it. It can be good. We can control. We can have self-control. We can, you know, we can really love this person who's knowing us, you know. So I thought I could will myself to obey. I thought I could will myself even to receive his love. This is how careful we have to be. So even this talk, you're like, okay, right now, I'm going to really will myself to receive this love. But no, you've... It's, it's, it's a different type of way we need to use our will. We need to use our will to be vulnerable with God, hiding nothing from him. A commitment to vulnerability. Not exposed vulnerability. We were going around telling everyone everything about ourselves. You know, we need to have boundaries. We need to use our will to open our soul to him like children. Needy and confident that, we will, that he will nourish, comfort and fill our empty souls with his tender love. And we need to use our will to move towards our, our inner pain instead of away from it. Mm-hmm. Now, as you know, that's a bit of a topic for me <laughs> about moving towards pain. I talked about it in the last time, last time we t- we, I shared. So as we dare to receive his love just as we are, so if that's the first step, receiving the love, be willing to and be humble enough to receive the love, to get the ball rolling. That comes first, to be vulnerable, to be like a child, to be okay with not being perfect, being okay with failing again. Because what God is saying, just get to me. If you can just get to me, I'll help you with that. But we don't. We start striving. We start striving and start failing. We start failing again. Guess what? We start to go in hiding. And again, in some of our church establishments, there's a lot of hiding going on. You can feel it. It's just like this slight fake kind of, kind of like want to prod people and go, are you real? (laughs) Like, what's behind all that? Like, you seem very happy. Like, like it's great to be joyful and happy, but sometimes you can feel there's a striving in it or a stress or, or in just the way people are like trying to hold their lives together, you know? So instead, we dare to move towards the pain. So for example, now, whenever I feel certain things, like for shame, for example, Instead of like, oh my God, you know, I'm such a bad person. I've started learning to kind of move towards this emotion myself when I feel it. And one of the tricks, and might have heard me saying this last time, is that when you feel it, you name it. As soon as you feel it, name it. Feel shame, go, I'm feeling shame. And what I've learned is to feel the feeling. You know, I mean, I call myself a very courageous person. I'm very independent. But ask me to kind of feel my own fear or feel my shame. Oh my God, emotional wimp. Used to be complete emotional wimp. It's like, oh, you know? Spent so many years avoiding my own emotions. And I'm not saying again that we kind of like elevate the emotions and we live from this. I'm just saying connect with it. Yeah. And the most powerful ways to connect is in your body, physically. Get out of your heads and start realizing the emotion yeah. is in your body. It's in your body, isn't it? So what I do is when I feel the shame, 
I say, move towards the shame. And I say, in that shame and from that shame, I go, I choose you, Jesus, and I love you. In the shame. Test it out. Oh, but you would turn to me and I would heal you. So what I'm talking about is like you're in the shame and in that shame, I've always been fascinated, what does he mean turn to him and heal him? All you do is a step of faith within the emotion, within the feeling. You say, I choose you, I love you. That's all you got to do. You just repeat it over. And don't worry about what happens next. Because from that, he's going to start showing you how, what that is, where it's coming from. He'll show you through a book. He'll show you through another person. He'll give you a word. He'll give you a picture. Or he'll bring comfort to you. (coughs) So move towards the tension and the exhaustion of control. And in, do you know when you're feeling yourself getting a bit controlling? And you're saying something, somebody's saying something, you so, so don't want to do it that way. Do you know what I mean? I felt a little bit of control yesterday. I'm going to make a confession now. When Derek said we were going to listen to the clock. <laughs> okay? Just going to be honest. <laughs> you won't mind me saying that. And I could feel this like, no, we're not. <laughs> That's the kind of control. <laughs> and I've learned to kind of like go, like, be okay with that. Go, oh, there's the control. And in that, I start to go, Jesus, I choose you. I love you. Just quietly. You know? And that's what I was doing. You didn't realize that's what I was doing when you were suggesting that. And you know, it's amazing because, like, I don't worry now what happens again after that. That's not going to be my problem. All I know is I felt at peace very, very quickly. And I let that go. It was actually a great exercise. So, um, yeah. So move towards the awkward feeling of avoidance. Do you ever kind of know you're avoiding something? Stop in your tracks and say, I'm avoiding something here. I've just watched two hours of whatever, and I know I'm supposed to be writing my talk and receiving the comfort, comfort of the mothering heart of God. You know, And in that, you just stop, and you feel it, whether it's like you're... In, it, sometimes it's like it's on your chest, it's in your neck. It's in different places in your stomach. And you just go, oh, there it is. There's the avoidance. Jesus, in his avoidance, I choose you and I love you. So if you really want to work on your union with God, it's a very physical thing, believe it or not. And you just start learning. And how you learn, that, learn to do that, just start teaching yourself, you know, just be human. Allow yourself to do a bit of a check-in with your body. What am I feeling right now? It's okay. He made all these emotions for a reason. The reality is, is like when we ignore them, that's the problem. When we stop them, suppress them, use them in the wrong way, this is when we, we go all weird. And we start then turning to a... This is where addiction comes from. Addiction really is the result of not being able to process your emotions properly. Because behind all your emotions are your needs. And if you're not tuning into that, guess what? You know, you're not aware of what you're really needing. That God is like, I want to give you this, Elaine, but you keep trying to meet this need yourself. This is why it's so important. So... Moving towards, the, moving towards the pain of addiction, that moment you feel like, oh God, you can, already, you can already see yourself having that drink. You can already you know, just say, in this, right now when I'm feeling, Lord, I choose you, I love you, I choose you, I love you. And then you go back to the feeling again. Oh, you know, and then you just go, no, I choose you, I love you. You know, the control, you feel it, go to the, I love you, I choose you. And that's how you do it. You get, it's okay to kind of go from one to the other. It's almost like there's a little like wrestling that goes on. You're just choosing him in it. 
So move towards your manic overthinking. That's my one. <laughs> and say, I choose you, Jesus, I love you, in this overthinking that I'm doing right now. You move towards the overwhelm. You move towards the numbness. You know, if you have... It, numbness is a tricky one. Because a lot of people in addiction, you know, <coughs> and to be honest with you, every, every, every human being has it, is it, is it, is, you know, really has addiction. Because when, when God is not in the center of your soul loving you, we pretty much can become addicted to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and so it's, and this is the key thing. It is really allowing ourselves to be loved first. It's allowing ourselves to be loved first. I just want to, I'm going to just finish with a small story about myself moving into this place of, I suppose what I'm just trying is moving towards the pain and receiving the mothering heart of God. And then I'm just going to bring us into finish off with a prayer. Is that okay for time? So just to kind of make it more real for you. So I was um, in a situation where there'd been quite a big mis, you know, misunderstanding between myself and this um, other uh, you know, friend of mine, person that I worked with for many years. And um, within this misunderstanding, um, I was, I was hoping to try and kind of fix it, and I was trying to fix the misunderstanding because guess what, I'm a loving person. <laughs> but in trying to fix the misunderstanding, I reach out and say, come to my home, come for a meal, let's talk. So a whole week goes by, no reply from this person. Now, whole week goes by, day after day, the pleaser, the pleaser part of me mm-hmm. is just like, starting to get more and more uncomfortable, you know, starting to feel like very like vulnerable, going, you know, hang on. Then I started moving into anger. Hang on, I'm the one reaching out here. What the, you know? No, look at her just ignoring the love I'm offering her, you know, and kind of like she was, and I'm going, she was her fault. Really. And I was, well, it was her fault. It's kind of going into over, between the pleasing and the overthinker. So I'm going to just, like, this story is like, so this is, my, this is my story. So my overthinker, my manic thinking, I can sort this out of my head. That's like, you know, that's me trying to offer myself the love of the Father. I'm trying to make myself secure. I'm trying to protect myself. I'm trying to give myself, like, that shield with this person who seems to be annoyed at me. Very upsetting. So what was the, how was I mothering myself in this? You know, well... I was already willing to, <laughs> I was already willing to say, I'm sorry, I'm the one in the wrong. I, I was so desperate to comfort this friend of mine, to comfort him and say, I'm so sorry there's been a upset between us. And God is going, you're mothering yourself here, Elaine. You're mothering, you're fathering and you're mothering yourself. Can you not see this? So what ended up happening was I looked, eventually a week later, I get a text message from her. I'm not coming to your home. And then her explanation of why. <laughs> and that was hard for me to be on the receiving end. And those two parts of me, because we talked about, remember, parts therapy for anyone who was, you know, those two parts, when they saw this, my goodness, when they saw this text, my pleaser was like, oh, God, you've got to do something here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, you know. And then my overthinking was, my God, we really need to think this through. Blah, 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 blah. And my head was going, and I was like, I was getting in the car at the flowers. I was going to call to her door. (laughs) These little parts of me, God loved them. They thought they were responsible 
for the nurturing and protection of my soul and bless them because they did a very good job for many years. They allowed me to survive my crazy childhood, my 22 homes and 16 schools. So right now, I just want to go, I want to bow before those two little pots and go, thank you, but you are not God, and this needs to come to an end. And I want to relieve you of the burden of carrying this father and the mother that my soul has needed all these years. And I did a very simple thing. I just said, oh, I do not feel well in myself right now. <laughs> and I knew, I got and said, like, this is run, I'm, like, I'm done with this. I was, all, I was already done. Here I am again. It takes a little while to get this. So in that moment, and I'd written 10 text messages in my head, of course, saying, yes, it was all my fault, and I'm such a horrible person, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I said, I heard God say, go upstairs, sit on your bed. Mm. Went upstairs, sat in my bed, Finton didn't even know I was doing this. And I just thought, snuck away from the family. And I sat in bed, and I asked these two parts of myself, I give you permission not to have to mother and father me anymore. Mm. I just touched my head. It's okay, you don't need to do this anymore. You don't need to do this. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> And I touched the pleasing part, the one that wanted to comfort her upset. I said, no, you can't do that because we don't know the full truth here yet. We don't really know what went on. We just know there was a misunderstanding and it's got very out of proportion. And so I asked them to step aside. That's what you do with these parts. And I curled myself up, you know, draw my, drew my knees up towards and I put my head down. And I tuned into my body. This is how you do it. And I could feel it on my chest. This anxiety. It was like this rock here. And in that moment, when I told the thinker to stop, and the pleaser is okay, don't need to do that anymore, I've got a different way of doing it. We've got a different way of doing things now. Let's bring this to Jesus. And in that moment, curled up on the thing, I just said, okay, if this part of me could speak right now, what would it say? Tell your truth. And the first thing I heard this part of me say, this is what happens when you ask yourself these questions to, the, to these physical sensations. You'll be amazed what you hear. Mm-hmm. I heard, I'm terrified. I am mm-hmm. terrified. I'm really scared. Okay. Now, how do I know that was a child <coughs> part of me? Very, very over the top. If you think about it, it was just a text message. Mm-hmm. Generally, that's how you know you've connected with a child part. And then I said, I was kind of like, because of doing this work, I was able to say, and what do you need? Tell me what you need. Because the pleaser and the overthinker, that's what they thought the answer was. And in that moment, I heard from myself say the depths of my toes from here. I want my mom. Oh. I want my mom. And I've got to say, it's probably one of the most powerful, beautiful experiences I've had in my life to allow that part of me to speak that I've never been allowed to say that. I had been so brave for so long, outside so many schools, 22 homes and 16 schools, always the outsider, always the person having to make the effort, always the pleaser, the overanalyzer. It's just like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get accepted into this group? How am I going to make this relationship okay? 
and thank God for these parts of me that rescued me and at least helped me survive. But now that was over. God was saying, no, I want the end of that. You're going to have my love now. And the beautiful thing about it was as soon as I felt it, you know how long I cried for? I thought I'd cry for years. You know how long I cried for? About three minutes. And I stood up out of the bed. And I was like, it's gone. She's been seen. She's been loved. She's been hurt. In that one moment, three minutes crying. And I spent many years crying. But that was because of the overthinker. They were driving me nuts and my pleas. It was getting me into so much trouble. Everyone's issues were my issues. Everyone's pain became my pain. I was like the scapegoat for a lot of people's projection because I used to take it on. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Did I do that? I'm so sorry. Did I trigger you? And like a, you know. Anyway, that's a little bit of my testimony. It's, I, I want to share truth, but at the same time, I want to make it real. This is what it looks like to step in tune. And that was obviously quite a big experience. But really what I do now is on a daily basis, and I don't know whether I have time to share this, but here's just, you can take a picture of it if you want. I'm going to go through this really fast. Mm-hmm. So the comfort got the new attachment. So got there, relax versus strive, and open your soul and relax your body. That was something that God taught me to do. He started getting, you see Finton today, he was going, it's like, we hold, we, like we, how we know we're parenting, mothering and, and, and fathering ourselves is we hold it in our body. It's striving. Like, and God started, one day I was out for a walk and he teaches you things and he just said, Elaine, he said, how does your stomach feel? He, t- he says, the, he really is very practical when she's, once he starts getting this message through. And I go, oh my gosh, it's like this. And he goes, relax, relax your stomach away. Just relax. And he goes, right, now we're ready to pray. Mm-hmm. Just relax, relax. If you're going to receive, you can't receive from him when you're physically even uptight. A lot of times, because emotionally, the stuff is in the body we are. So needy birth starts relying. My needs matter to him. Mm-hmm. Move towards your pain. You speak from within the ache. I love you, Jesus. I choose you. Now, believe me, when you're in that emotional pain, it feels like just a choice. You know, sometimes you're saying it, you're so removed, you just go, I, I Jesus, I you, yeah, you go, because emotion is strong, you know. Allow him to move towards you, to, uh, allow, allow him to move towards you. So sometimes when you're saying, I choose you and you love you, there's sometimes a little bit of waiting you've got to do, just to give you the heads up, you know. So that situation where suddenly I had that breakthrough, I had spent maybe two days of just kind of saying, I choose you, I love you. I choose you, I love you. In pain. I don't know what to do here. I'm really confused. Emotion is very confusing. I choose you, I love you. But that led them to the breakthrough. So wait for him. Because in that moment, he was like, go upstairs and lay now. You know, sit on your bed. I had, he gave me instructions. I was able to hear him. To move towards you, allow him to look, allow him to move towards you. Intimacy versus intensity. This is a really big one. <laughs> if you've trauma in your life, we heard this before. Guess what? We mistake intensity for intimacy. 
That's a really big one because on a daily basis, God is saying to me, Elaine, relax. Sometimes I'm looking for these experiences with God, which are very intense. And he's saying, a lot of times what he's doing now is just like, Elaine, just come walk with me. Let creation comfort you. A lot of times it's just very relaxed, natural comfort. Sometimes I have really great experiences, beautiful experiences, but a lot, it's a lot of times for Elaine, it's just, you know, let's be just like normal together. It's just, it's not always intense, you know, small and often. So, and he spoke to me very clearly. Again, he trains you in this stuff, like, especially as you start learning to go down in the heart. The, pic- the picture he gave me was, I was just sitting there one day, and he does this sometimes where I'm not even praying, and he will say something to me. <coughs> And out of the blue, I was just sitting in the room, and he simply said this to me. He said, Elaine, he says, do you want to know what size your heart is? Mm. <laughs> and I went, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for, presume if this is you, you want to tell me. And I said, well, I think I've got quite a big heart. Because <laughs> I'm always giving, I'm a counselor, and comforting, and, you know. And he's like, he says, no, he says, uh, it's the size of a thimble. <laughs> And I remember thinking, well, that's a bit of an insult, Jesus, but obviously you've got the point here. We have this relationship with each other. And I said, so size with thimble, okay, well, what do you mean that? mean by that? And he said, it doesn't take that much to fill it. <laughs> because when you're needy, and when you need comfort, and you need protection, and you need all these different guests, well, it just feels huge. <laughs> if you really let yourself need it, you think you're dying. Just like, oh, God, I was so insecure, or I feel so, whatever, feel, you know, um, you know uh, whatever our needs are. And so he's just basically saying, every day, I have a thimble full of comfort, you see, and, and nurturing for you. That's all you need. You just need a little bit every day. So if you understand that, then it stops this kind of like, oh, I need to go and do this, like, big, like, oh, and then soak in all this, like, mothering, and... He's going, no, just get ready for it every day. Just a little bit. And then, um, small and often, the banquet table, I'll just say, you know, that is, you know, Psalm 23, 5. Banquet table is, as you know, that particular um, scripture is that I will, you know, set a banquet table for you in the midst, you know, of your enemies. Is that kind of the quote? And so pretty much, no matter what is going on in our life, you know, he's basically saying, Elaine, just come to the table today and tell me what you need. And I remember a few weeks ago, I was feeling a little bit, um, just a little bit low in myself. And then I was coming out of, I think, out of church, and I heard him saying, you know, Elaine, how are you feeling? I said, I was being honest with him, going, I just feel a bit low. I feel very joyful, you know. He said, would you like joy? I went, yeah. Wouldn't mind a bit of joy. <laughs> That'd be nice. He said, would you like a little bit of joy that you don't have to really kind of strive for? I went, yeah. Because well, why don't you just come to the banquet table and come and ask for it? It's there. Right? Right in the midst of my busy life. Right in the midst of all the stuff that's going on with my family. Right in. He said, come to the banquet table. So he says, tell me, tell me, pick which, what do you want? And I just, I envisioned myself as I was walking to the car. I just envisioned myself going to the table and go. Can I have the joy, please? <laughs> like a little kid. Can I have the joy? I wouldn't mind a bit of joy, even though I don't have it. Seriously, seriously. 45 minutes later, I was at home just getting my lunch ready. The joy. It's that easy. 
Once you understand, and also you're asking him to the right things, he wants to give his children good things. And then the last thing there is comfort unlocks. The most important thing I'll finish on is like the reality <coughs> is if you don't go for this comfort first, it's not going to unlock. unlock. It's getting the comfort first, like the child. Getting the child to calm down. Getting the child's nervous system to calm. You know, a child is like, going, is they're starting to calm down. We get upset as adults. We need to calm down. Go as you are to him. Receive that comfort first. And then start working out with him. Maybe how, how things are to, what he wants to teach you, what he wants to show you. But go for the comfort first. <coughs> I've pushed my time way too much, so I'm going to finish on this. And we'll, we have worship later on, so um, no, I, was got, I had a prayer that I was going to finish it, but it's too much to finish now. So, no, no, no. Okay, how about anyone who wants to stay can stay. For I just have um, a prayer I'm going to read out, and it's, a, it's really like a consecration prayer. It's like a reset button to kind of say, hey, you know what, let's start again. You know, none of us here received the mothering we were supposed to. You know, my mum could not, even though my, I had a really good mum, I was very fortunate, absent father, but um, my mum couldn't be outside all those classroom doors with me. She just couldn't. But God can, and he can restore that. So if you would like to stay, just to consecrate this part of God's heart for you, then please do. Sorry I went on too long. Just open our hearts up, just relax. This is where you can start. Just tune into your body now and just just seriously just do like a body scan. Just go to your shoulders, chest. Just tune into the sensation even in in, in your stomach. right through your body? Is it on one particular side of your body? Where is it? Just focus in and tune, tune into whatever you're holding in that place in your body. So we want to learn to attach to God. Even whatever part of your body you're tuning in, we want to attach that part that feels tense right now want to attach that part that maybe feels, you know, uncomfortable. Maybe there's pain, maybe there's numbness. Could be even not even just a physical sensation. Maybe you know you're feeling angry. Maybe you know you're feeling resentment. We're going to attach that part to God right now. We're going to go to the place in our soul where our mother need lies. We're going to go to the place of the assurance of the abundance for all whatever this part of us needs. We're going to go to our primal fear. We're going to open up our hearts in these places to God. 
So I'm just going to read out this prayer. I'm just going to read it once, but then I'm going to pray it slowly, if that makes sense to you. So creator of my soul, creator of all mother love and mother need, I need you right here. I need your mother love. I need the abundance and the assurance of this abundance. I need the benediction of my being. I need a deep bonded love with you. I need attachment here in place of my soul you've created for this attachment. Come, healing God, and heal me here in this place of mothering. I open my story of mothering to you, God. I invite you in, into my need of primal love and primal nourishment. Nourish me here just as you promised. Creator of my soul, creator of all mother love, mother need, I invite you into my need for primal need for connection. I invite you into the primal blessing of my being, my existence. Forgive me for taking this need to other places. I'm giving all this to you, God. I'm opening this to me. I forgive my mom. I do. I forgive her and I release her. Invite all mother love and all mother nourishment. Your comfort and solace into this place of my soul. Fill me with attachment, love. Fill me with the assurance of abundance. Come into my primal fears that I, that I will not be enough. There won't be enough for me. Fill me with the assurance of your abundance. Now I'm just going to ask you to take a deep breath. And I'm just going to read that one more time before we finish. Let's just go a bit deeper with it. Creator of my soul. Creator of all mother love and mother need. I need you right here. I need your mother love. I need the assurance of abundance. Oh my goodness, I need the benediction of my being. I need a deep bonded love with you. I need attachment to you in the place of my soul you created for attachment. Come healing God and heal me here in this place of mothering. I open my story of mothering to you, God. I invite you in, into my need, into my need for love and nourishment. Nourish me here as you promised. Creator of my soul, creator of all mother love and mother need, I invite you into my need for connection. 
I invite you into the primal blessing of my being and my existence. Oh Lord, forgive me for taking this need to other places. I'm giving all this to you, God. I'm opening this to you now. I forgive my mom. I do. I forgive her and release her and invite all mother love and all mother nourishment, your comfort and your solace into this place in my sin. Oh, rescue me, rescue me and fill me with this attachment love. Rescue me and fill me with the assurance of your abundance. Oh my goodness, rescue me of all my fears that I will not have enough. Rescue from my, my fear that there won't be enough for me. And fill me, fill me with the assurance of your abundance. I'll just finish with this uh, scripture from Isaiah 66, the coming of the kingdom. This is so exciting to know that this is what the coming of the kingdom is actually going to look like. (laughs) You know, I don't know whether you've imagined what it's going to be, but it's incredible that Isaiah was saying that this is, this is it. For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And this is the coming of the kingdom. Powerful stuff. And if anyone wants to know the end of the text message story, what happened? <laughs> I realized that I didn't tell you what happened in the end, just to kind of bring us all out of that, was that it's still not sorted. <laughs> but the good thing was that, you know, I did send a text message back to that person, and I was able to really give a very good apology for any pain that I caused that person. But the thing, the breakthrough that I needed was that I also needed to say that this person, that you, she had hurt me too. And that was the breakthrough for me. I was able to show up and go, you caused me pain. And God was saying, and that's enough for now. I don't know if that relationship will ever be restored, but there is a certain amount of peace between us now. And in regards to not being, you know, 
kind of like, you know, being, you know, we go and we're supposed to restore these relationships. I listen to God in this, and he's saying, the instruction he's given me is to say, Elaine, leave it for what it is. Leave it. So sometimes we have to do that. <coughs> so, thank you. been the Freedom Fighter podcast. Thanks for listening everybody. If you want to connect with our services or you want more info or details about upcoming events, connect with us online at www.freedomfighters.life or drop us an email at info at freedomfighters.life. Until next time, God bless you.